You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Morning WA, my name's Sean Kelly. I'll be with you for the next two hours with the World Football Programme. Big thanks to Frank and Jerry for another wonderful Celtic Ramblings programme. Great walk into the studio and find it full of musicians playing and singing and everything else that the Irish do. So uh, great start to the morning. Um, in the studio with me today is the one and only Australian International Studio player, Hugh Best. Morning Sean, morning listeners, thanks for having me. You're welcome, mate. Always good to have you on the show. Um, bit of news this week. I'd like to go through what our show will be today, first off. Um, we're going to start off with Derek Pollock, who is our man in the know with the EPL. Um, it seems like yesterday the EPL finished and now we're back up and running and, and starting again. So, um, yeah, just a very strange kind of year, this one. Uh, we'll follow up with John O'Reilly and talking about strange years. Armadale finishing sixth in the top six playoff. Um, Johnny doing well down there with the boys and they're, they're a good cup side and I think this second round is going to be like a, a cup competition. You'd like to think so, yep. yeah. Yeah, I think it will be um, and anything's possible. So there's two clubs in the NPL haven't won the league before in Guelph and Armadale and I think 2012 was the last time any of the rest of them have won it, which was Sorrento. I think um, Floriot won it in 2007. That's right. And yeah. who else is left in there? Um, ECU. ECU, yeah. Yeah, which was 89 or something. Oh, <laughs> it was a long, long, long time ago. Anyway, so it would be interesting. A, a break from the traditional winners that have been Bayswater and Perth over the last few years. Um, then we're going to follow up with Steve Detta, who is a man you're well acclimatised with. He's the president of the International Sabutio Football. Yeah, it's a, it's a big coup for us uh, to, to have Steve on board um, with the international body. 
um, being based in Europe, uh, to have an Australian as the president really gives us a, a, a big say in world uh, world events and, and how the, the sport is headed. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll catch up with him and see what the uh, state of play is in the international game and where Sabutio's headed and some other things. COVID would have been a double-edged sword because you'd have more people at home playing and then you wouldn't be able to play international games, so... Yeah, no, it's been it's been quite odd. There's been a lot of, um, as I mentioned last time I was here, there's been a lot of um, increase in the the solo play of Sabudio. So even though you would like to play against other players um, with the restrictions around the world, uh, on occasions it hasn't been possible. So solo play is always <laughs> always an odd one. You know, if you're cheating, you're just cheating yourself. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but we, we always say that, don't we? Uh, and then we're going to finish off with a bit of a, a, a fanboy moment, I think. Um, one of my all-time favourite glory players, Dino Jubic. Yeah, one of my all-time favourite Perth SC players, Dino Jubic. Yeah, no, look, he's, um, he's a good all-round all good guy, but I'd like to just talk to him about his career. Yeah, and, what a career it's been. Yeah. Know, a few things that... Uh, uh, a lot of um, a lot of listeners out there probably wouldn't even un- uh, know about Dino. Absolutely. Well, you know, there's a few things you, you, you know as you go along. You don't realise just how good the man was, really. Yep. Um, in news, the biggest news this week is that Messi situation with with Bar- uh, with uh, Barcelona and with, by Messi, he's gone. He's back. He's gone. He's back. Now he's back. Yeah, that was. Um, I mean, I understood where he was coming from. Um, the the wording of the contract. Locked him in because the wording yeah. actually had June as the as the the, the time. So mm. uh, by the twenty third, I think it was of June. But he actually applied that as being the the COVID situation. The season went a bit longer, and he was saying, "Well, it's meant to be two weeks after the end of the season," which yeah. is why he was there. So I'm sure Man City will be able to stump up the seven hundred million euro buyout clause. Yeah, well, would you? Well, you know, yeah, I know. <laughs> Um, and then locally, um, the glory, um, Popa gone, the, the sons have gone, yep. Juan Day gone, yep. um, Castro, who knows, well. um, Tando gone. I don't blame Tando. I mean, he's getting too old to be playing second fiddle. Well, that's right. Um, and then, you know, there's a whole host of others that have, have gone, Franich, et cetera. Yeah, um, that was a big one as well, I thought. Yeah. So it'd be interesting because um, I think maybe 12 or 13 players that we've got um, and we've got an Asian Cup game coming up or yeah. an Asian Cup hub. And, and the funny thing is, I mean, this is Popovich's remit. He he regularly at the end of the season goes, you're out, you're out, you're out. But he always had players coming in. But with him going out as well, what's what's the backup plan? It's uh, it's going to be really odd. Well, the, the whole thing starts again. I mean, I was trying to get um, – Someone from Glory to come on. I was, I was unfortunately I couldn't get anyone to come in, but I imagine they're they're um, madly busy trying to recruit a oh, coach. Do they, do we stay with Hayden Fox? Do we use Hayden Fox in conjunction with someone like Bobby? Well, or? again, if uh, if things go according to plan, I, I would have imagined Hayden's off to Greece as well. Yeah, I mean he's been the trusted number number two for for Popper for the whole of his career. Yeah. So why would that change? Because I think they've already got number two. <laughs> well, you know, you can always promote him to number three, I suppose. Yeah, but no, no. I think, team coach maybe? <laughs> I think the, the the whole situation with Popper is, is sad in some ways. has been a lot of um, abuse about his kids. Oh, I, and, I couldn't understand that. I mean, no, you know, we, we moan that we don't have young enough players yeah. playing. Then we've got two two boys who are internationals That's right. at their age groups and then we're going, oh, then he shouldn't be playing his boys. They're not good enough. They're, if they're good enough yeah. to play for Australia, you imagine yeah. somehow they'd be good enough for us. Well, they are. Yeah. And, and like 
like you said there, Sean, some of the um, some of the comment. It was no uh, Steve McMahon Jr., was he? You know, you know? Not, not only just unfounded, just unfathomable. You're yeah, thinking, I know. Do you want to go back to the Ron Smith days when we couldn't sign anybody, we didn't have, a, you know, a, a, an incumbent coach? Yeah. But um, the other thing or, is or that we could all go back to as far back as the uh, the McMahon. And, if you look at it from, from from a, a governance point of view, from from say um, Tony Pinard's point of view, at the moment we still don't know what the league's going to look like next year. Is yep. it going to be a hub league or is it going to be a um, full blown proper league? Are we going to have a winter season Competi- or, 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 again, or a summer comp yep. or something in between? You know, the, all, there's so many variables that haven't even been answered. And how do you hire a coach to that? And then how do you recruit players to that? There's the 30% pay cut. That's right. And we, we're still not sure about the, the, the broadcast deal. I mean, I know it's been signed off, but that, that's taken a huge hit as well. So. Oh, absolutely. But then, you know, with all those, those infathomables, how do you plan and plot for next year must be very, very difficult oh, being, being an owner or the, the GM of a club trying to work to that schedule, not knowing so much about how it's going to look. And if it's going to be a hub, then why not stick with a, a local coach or a coach you've already got, yep. um, bring in local players and blood the youngsters and, you know, let's, with a 30% pay cut, um, all over the board, and I'm I'm hoping and and truly hope that the FFA are also leading the way in that. I would hate to think that we're still paying all our top brass whatever they got before COVID. If they're asking the players to go <laughs> for a pay- sure. no, no, but if they're asking the players you, to go you, for, a- you know, that's it. I mean, if they're if, asking the players to take a hit, they take a hit. If we talk about uh, the other code in this in this country, I mean, they're taking swimming coaches to to their hub. So you know, you only have to look at the the top end of of that code to think what pay cut have they taken? Oh yeah, we've taken a pay cut, but we're going to utilize the full budget that yeah. we're, uh, we're allowed to. I'd, yeah. I'd like to think as you have done there, Sean, that uh, they're doing the right thing, but you never know. We'll, no, we'll... but the thing is we need to have some decisions made very quickly about what the A league's going to look yeah. like next year, not just the A league, the W league. Um, and I know a lot of the, the better women have gone to Europe, which is again, That's fantastic opportunity for more to step up into the W league. But, what sort of W League are we having? What sort of A League are we having? And then once we've got them sorted, we can then work out who we're bringing in. And then a post-COVID world is all going to look very different. Oh, yeah. Well, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, so we've got young Derek who's going to talk about the the post-COVID EPL um, and how that's shaping up this year. And, again, that's, I think, a model for the future, playing in empty stadiums. Not- well, again, yeah, no, we're hoping to get uh, fans in fairly early, but it looks like it's uh, – it- We'll be well into the new year before that's likely to occur. Absolutely. All right, we're going to go a break. We'll be back after this with Derek Pollock. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Auswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Auswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour bond, aluminium, steel and timber gates. Check out our galleries at auswestfencing.com.au. That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au. Please don't fence me in. West Coast Futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. 
four great locations around Perth. We have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. From social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So grab five mates and come down for a game today. Okay, and we're back in the room. Um, now, EPL, it seems like only last week it all finished up and then all was, of a sudden, it? bang, we're straight back into it. So um, our man with his finger on the pulse and the man's going to direct us as to who's going to end up where is Derek Pollock. Derek, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Sean. Good, thank you. How are you? Good, mate. Um it only seems like we've only just finished. I think they announced some awards. I, I believe someone from Man City picks up the Best Player Award and and it just all seems to be very anticlimactic. And then all of a sudden we're, we're back into a new season. Yeah, I mean, like you say, I mean, the English Premier League actually, actually finished sort of six weeks ago where I, when I looked it up, I went, really? It doesn't feel like six weeks ago, but with the European games that we had on in between, yeah, it really feels like just football hasn't stopped, which... It isn't isn't bad for me. I'm not happy with that. I'm, I'm not complaining. Yeah, I'm sure the players might have wanted a bit more of a rest. Yeah, but then they had the three month rest through COVID, so you know, the, like the rest That's of true. us, you know, sitting at home isolated. But you know, it's, it was a break. So the new season, any major signings? I know a lot of clubs have not made any signings, and then other clubs like Chelsea have. Yeah, so it's really just been the story of the off season. Has been how well have clubs been able to deal with the uncertainty around funding going forward? So clubs like uh, Manchester City, Chelsea, that don't really have as many questions about where their money is coming from, um, they, they've they gone out and they've spent some money. Chelsea definitely <laughs> spent some money. Mm. Um, but whereas other clubs are trying to be a little bit more um, self-sustaining have, have not been able to really fine as much but then there's other clubs that have have had some serious questions over um money sort of have yeah i mean just well as an example arsenal who sacked 50 staff members um were pretty quick to um furlough some staff after some pay pay cuts for the players they've gone out and spent money so a lot of the players um that's have been rubbed up the wrong way with that where you know they've been asked to take take pay cuts and then they've gone out and spent money on, on new signings which has been been curious yeah, but but predictable. I mean, other than um, Pepe and Meza Ozil, they really struggled to to have someone in that bridge between midfield and attack, and they they operate as two separate entities. So they've struggled. I think mean, I think they were the second or third lowest creators of chances in the league. Yeah, trying to find uh, the that, that sort of creative midfielder uh, has been their major struggle of the off season. They've got Meza Ozil, but for reasons that most of the world isn't um, privy to. He hasn't fit in lately. Uh, he, he seems to think that he's been hard done by and he wants to stay at the club. He wants to be playing, but manager after manager have, have not played him. And so obviously there's, there's something to that story. And so that's why um, they've gone on um, and sought um, Danny Ceballos on loan from Real Madrid. So hopefully uh, Arteta, well, Arteta is hoping that he will be that creative midfielder 
that they're lacking. Although there has been um, rumours um, because Matteo Guendouzi um, has not been in um, in favour. He's had a few attitude problems and he's had, I think I had a bust up with one of the players. So there's rumours that Arsenal are looking to swap him for um, Julian Draxler from PSG. Mm. And swapping's not that easy these days, is it? No, especially not when you're trying to get someone who is on the wages that PSG are paying. Now, one of the problems that Chelsea had last year was that they were susceptible to a counter-attack and they, they lost more games <laughs> to the to the lower league uh, teams than anyone else. Um, do you think the signings that he's, he's brought in, the attacking signings, are going to make much of a difference or do you think they're, um, they're still going to struggle on the break? Yeah, I had a bit of a, yeah, bit of a chuckle, as you say, about because... Like you say, you know, they they conceded, I think, the most goals any Chelsea side has conceded in the Premier League, either ever or in the last 12 years or something like that. So they conceded a huge number of goals, never managed to figure out a way to stop a decent counter-attack, and they react to that by then going and signing lots more attacking players and a 36-year-old centre-back. I just, yeah, so I think this season could very well be the season Frank Lampard gets found out because... They, when you spend the sort of money that they spent, expectations rise commensurate with that. And I don't feel he's managed to sort of figure out a way to control that, unless Kai Havertz is suddenly going to be reborn as a sort of a number six, which I doubt. Uh, a, a PLO with defensive nous, um, then I, yeah, I just don't see how that. That issue has been solved. Morning, Derek. It's Hugh Best here. So you don't think the signing uh, for Chelsea of Ben Chilwell will, will help rectify some of that defensive uh, failings? Not really, no, because he's a he's a left back, so you know possibly. But one of the main criticisms of Ben Chilwell last season was that was that he was very good at getting forward and and not quite good enough getting back. I mean, if you look at a lot of the, I mean, I, I, again, look, if, you know, a lot of people say a lot of silly things on the internet, but the sort of the the trend of Leicester fans on the internet was very much uh, thank you very much Chelsea we'll take that fifty million and <laughs> we'll spend that on someone who can improve the team a little bit more so yeah I just don't feel that that you know again I think that's again just not helping the main problems and the main issues that they've got. Yeah, we talk about expectations. I suppose the two clubs that have the major expectations are Liverpool and Man City. Um, Liverpool, you know, 30 years uh, before they, they won a championship, now they've they've got one. Um, do you see them having a post-honeymoon slump? Um, Klopp's not brought any new players in. He's going to be running with largely the same squad he, he won the league with. Um, is, how do you see that going for him? Yes, that'll be the big question this season about the, um, you know, I, I definitely think that the league will be a lot closer than it was last season. You know, Liverpool won it, won it rather, at an absolute canter last season. And I, I just don't see that um, being repeated. You know, I think Liverpool, the big issues for them are going to be, you know, historically, Klopp plays an extraordinarily intense pressing style. And that is uh, quite fatiguing to the players. And that burnout rate, is, it can be quite high. You know, um, there was one season at Dortmund where their form, I mean, I know there were mitigating factors with injuries and players going to um, the World Cup, but their form one season just absolutely fell off a cliff to the point where by the winter break, they were almost in a relegation fight. Uh, and I don't think, obviously, it's going to be quite that extreme with Liverpool this season. But given that we haven't had much of a break, the season is going to be significantly more congested 
and they haven't really made any signings. I, I feel that that burnout will probably cost Liverpool a few more games this season than it did last season. And if we're going to be totally honest, Liverpool got away with a lot of games last season where, you know, they were looking a bit, a bit stodgy and then they would, you know, concede or score a lucky goal. Yeah. Uh, and that happened, you know, four or five times last season that they really got away with a few games. Yeah. And I just don't think Man City are going to be as defensively suspect this season as they were last season. Yeah, it's interesting, though, because it's not that they're defensively weak, but they do seem to have a psychological weakness. If you look at the their record, the, their last 13 games where they won or, or scored first, they won 13 of those, and where they conceded first, they only won three. So um, it's just a, a mindset, and how does Guardiola turn that around? Yeah, so, well, I mean, it's, that's an interesting set that you bring up. Um, I'd like to see how many games they uh, considered first in, because uh, I don't think it'd be that many. But, but yeah, no, but you, you, you raise a good point where historically with Guardiola Man City teams, what you, you'd find is they just would never concede, and then suddenly they would concede, and then they concede three in about six minutes. Uh, and there would just, there'd just be this, this bizarre psychological uh, yeah, chasm there where they... Um, where they were just, yeah, just shut down after conceding the first goal. I think last season, though, what didn't help, so they, you know, they had their four centre-backs, but of those four, it was Laporte and company two seasons ago, basically every game, and then company left, and then Laporte got injured. So last season, they, they got to a point where they had their two holding midfielders, Rodri and Fernandinho, playing centre-back, because yeah. Otamendi is a bomb scare at the best of times, um, <laughs> and... <laughs> and was injured at times, and then mm. Stones was out, Laporte was out, and so they were having to play holding midfielders in defence, which then meant that the holding midfielders couldn't be in holding midfield, and that then you know, caused further issues up, up the field. So Laporte coming back this season from injury will be really helpful. Then signing Nathan Ake as well. I think Nathan Ake uh, is, a, is a lot better than what a lot of people are making him out to be, and so that will yeah fix some of the defensive solidity. But Guardiola's teams... And this isn't just City, this is Barcelona, City, Bayern Munich. It's a lot like uh, the uh, the Death Star in Star Wars, where <laughs> it's this you know all-conquering machine that has this one really obvious flaw. But every time they build it, it still has that flaw in it, and they just can't fix that. If you get in there, um, you know you can destroy the whole thing. And it's a lot like City. If you run at the centre back. Um, then again, the whole thing just kind of the house of cards falls apart. So he hasn't managed to fix that yet. It's that really prominent sort of glass jewel that that I don't know why they're trying to sign Martin Lionel Messi because he wasn't going to fix that. Uh, but again, you know, then they need to make sure that they. Uh, but I think they have solved that a little bit. You know, with Ake, Laporte, you know, you can put Fernandinho or Rodri back to holding midfield. That kind of alleviates some of those problems. Yeah, absolutely. Now, United, do you think um, finally Ole Gunnar Solskjaer will get a clear run at it without having to, to deal with the ghost of Ferguson and the other managers? I would be hugely surprised if if Gunnar Solskjaer was not the first manager sacked this season. Uh, I just, I mean, maybe it's just something that I'm not seeing that everyone else is, but I just, I just don't understand where all this sudden optimism for United comes from. You know, they... Yeah, they said that he got the job done last season because he finished third, but realistically, they just managed to take advantage of the bottle job of all bottle jobs by Leicester yeah. um, and, and Chelsea at the end of the season where they just dropped. I mean, Leicester had a horrific run, even post-COVID, I mean, even pre-COVID rather, 
as soon as the new year kind of hit, their form just totally collapsed. And again, if you look at Man United, I just don't think Solskjaer is the man for it. You know, I think they should have got rid of him earlier and got Pochettino in for this season. Um, they've not managed to fix the problem where they've got a, a total lack of depth up front. You know, they've got Greenwood, Martial, Rashford, and then Daniel James. Mm. If any of them get injured, there's huge problems. They've not managed, you know, they signed Donny van der Beek, which is good, a bit of addition to the midfield, but still not fixed that sort of holding midfield role that they're, that they're kind of missing. So was, I just uh, think, yeah, they're very... With, with United, mm-hmm. I was uh, thinking that uh, maybe they, they stick Pogba into that holding midfield. I know that's not his preferred role, but surely a player of that ability with the with the two players, particularly with the big being brought in, where, where would you be playing Pogba now? Holding midfield, surely. Well, I, yeah, I mean, that's the question, isn't it? I mean, I guess why they brought Van der Beek in was um, if you just, you know, you, you can't have Pogba and Fernandez for the 50-odd games that they're going to play this season, you know, you're going to have to rotate them through. And so you have three plays for those two positions and you sort of rotate them. But, like, yeah, I mean, I guess if, if you put Pogba in at, at that holding midfield role, like, he, he, you know, he's done that for France before. Yep. It, it doesn't, you know, it it limits what he can do. And, and you, you know, you get sort of seven and a half to eight out of ten of what he can do. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, like you say, you know. And, and the problem... The problem with Pogba is that, you know, if you play him in a position that he's, he's not his preferred p- position, he spends half the game tripping over his lip. So, you know, you can't be doing with that. Yeah, but I mean, I, I guess the problem that, that United have had with Pogba for so long was they broke what was at the time the transfer record game and have almost never used him in his natural position in the entire time he's been in the club. Yeah. So I just, I just don't understand. But, you know... Again, it's it's a, a larger issue with Man United, you know. It's like they're – a lot of things I don't understand there. It's like the negotiating tactic for Jaden Sancho was a bit bizarre where Borussia Dortmund said, this is the price we want by this date. Yeah. And so United don't offer anything before that date, and then after that date they offer less than what they want. Yeah. I just – I don't know. <laughs> and then act surprised when Dortmund say no. I, yeah, it's just a bizarre – negotiating strategy that I don't think is paid off. No, absolutely. So, now, the, the new side's coming up, Leeds. Yeah, I'm so excited about watching Leeds. And I just did, did you see him really excited about watching Bielsa, Bielsa in the Premier League. It's, you know, I feel either, I just don't think there's going to be any sort of slowly bobbing along for Leeds. I think either they're going to finish in the top half and really surprise some teams or yeah. they're going to implode. But the, their biggest and problem, their biggest problem last year was was conversion. I mean, uh, Bamford scored a lot of goals, but he could have easily got thirty had, had he had just that little bit more of composure. And whilst they're getting into good positions, they're not capitalising on it, and and that will find them out in in the EPL. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, I didn't watch a lot of these last season, but the story I heard frequently was battered them, couldn't finish, conceded a late goal, and. Hopefully they fix that this season by signing um, Rodrigo from Valencia. So yeah. he's a Spanish international. He's a pretty regular starter up front for the Spanish national team. So to get a player of that quality in will be will be yeah magnificent. So we'll we'll see how they've gone. Uh, and they signed um, the centre back from Germany as well uh, because they're not getting Ben White back. So we'll see. I think it could be another Norwich in terms of playing style where they go out and, and seek to attack, which would be very exciting to watch. Uh, but I just, yeah, I hope it goes a little bit better than it did for Norwich. And West Brom. Thank you. 
West Brom? Yeah. Hugh, nice. Hugh's a big fan. He's sitting here in his West Brom shirt and everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, my friend is going to kill me for saying this because he's a mad Baggies fan and he used to be the kit man, actually, for the club. Uh, but, yeah, I just can't see them staying up. I, you know, I, I want them to stay up. I've been to the Hawthorns a few times. It's a great stadium. But I just, you know, they, they really struggled when the pressure was on last season. Yeah. They had two opportunities to get um, promoted um, straight up, and, and they failed at them both and only managed to get it when yeah. Brentford also did that. Yeah, I'm going to have to you, – you know that West Brom spent more time on top of the championship in the f- number one position than any other club last year. You, you're aware of that, aren't you? As a, as a Baggies fan, I'm not having a go. I'm just saying that, uh, <laughs> that, that people are yeah, no, 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 waxing no, lyrical I'm, about I'm not about aware of that. I wasn't and, aware. And, and saying how good Leeds are and they should be top – top half and maybe pushing top six and you think, hang on a minute, you guys only fell in after everybody hit the target on their backs. Yeah, but the the other thing is that they, they do need uh, a oh, goal. Oh, we need a striker. They need There's a striker no with that. that. I mean, Charlie Austin scored, what, 10 goals <laughs> last year, <laughs> which Robson is not Kahn enough. Who, yeah, yeah. Which, is, which is the lowest of any of the clubs got automatically promoted. So, you know, but every every outfield player at West Brom scored a goal or, or two or in Charlie I figured Austin's that would case, change. I think that would change this year. Scored. Yeah, I think that might change this year. Yeah. Uh, and Fulham. <laughs> Usually does. <laughs> uh, and Fulham? Uh, Fulham, yeah. Look, Fulham, I think, are another, they're going to um, have another good season in the championship next season. <laughs> um, where yeah. I just, I mean, the last two seasons, they've conceded, I think, 166 goals combined um, in the last two seasons in the Premier League. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, this time though, they haven't gone out and spent 115 million on, 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 on a brand new squad. So hopefully, um, their, uh, consistency and, and, and yeah, that consistency of the squad will, will help them out unlike last season. Um, but funnily enough, that's Fulham actually. So Fulham Arsenal tonight, the first game, yeah. the first, first Premier League game in history that will be competed by, t- um, two managers who were born in the eighties. Mm, wow. Both managers younger than Pac-Man. Yeah. <laughs> so, so go, of the other clubs, can 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 you give us a uh, your um, predictions for for Everton? I mean, they've gone out, they've hit the transfer market hard. They've got a, a fantastic manager in Ancelotti. Surely, they'd be the uh, the likely team to be breaking into that top four. I think the story for Everton this season is going to be the story for a lot of clubs this season because the transfer window is open. Well, pretty deep into the season, it's going to be how quickly can the new signings mesh and how can they mesh with everyone else? Uh, and so Everton, yeah, look, I mean, will they win the Everton Cup again and finish seventh? Um, or will they, yeah, I mean, if you look at the squad on paper, I mean, they're, they're big, like you say, their big issues last season were just a total chasm in midfield. Ever since they sold the Juice Gay, they've really struggled to have any sort of rhythm or any control of the midfield. And if you saw, and they've signed Ducure, Alan and Rodriguez. And so that midfield three is, is has the real strong potential to be game winning. I mean, Alan has been described as a a ball winning machine. And so you add that to Ducure and, and the sort of creativity of James Rodriguez, who Ancelotti has managed multiple times and got the best out of before. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'd I'd love to see Everton play uh, really well. You know, there are, there are, a team that's got a lot of money behind them with their billionaire owners. And so if they can start winning more games and, 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 and sort of being a bit more creative. Um, but again, their issue is going to be how many players can they get um, off their wage bill? Because they've got a lot of 
a lot of players that are just not doing a lot at the club on big wages mm. and sort of who, who are sort of a bit old. And so they need to see if they can cut some of that off their build, have a bit more flexibility going forward, I think. Absolutely. But yeah, look, possibly really exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, yeah, very, very intrigued about how Everton are going to go this season. So prediction to the top five? Top five, I think. Uh, the top two, I think, are pretty locked in and are going to be City and Liverpool in no particular order. Um, Chelsea, it depends on Frank Lampard. I think, you know, this could be the season where he gets found out, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I'm going to put them in at third. They finished fourth last season, and you don't finish fourth at that many good players and get worse yeah. unless, well, yeah. So I think you know, if, if they come in at third. And there's fourth spot. I mean, I'd like to say... I'd like to think Arsenal will have a, have a better run under Arteta. They they didn't improve drastically in terms of points last season, but they actually, um, if you look at the, the the Premier League table since Arteta started, I think they're sixth, but which fourth, is two spots. But fourth is very Arsenal, so that's that. They'd be happy with that. Yeah, but yeah. but at the end of the day, you know, sixth is much better than eighth, which is where they actually finished, yeah. and so. You know, you give them an off-season as well. I think they could probably just about break into the top four. Yeah. And then Spurs and United will be fifth and sixth, I think, unless mm-hmm. Wolves can have a good season without the Europa League. Yeah. And your relegation, surely Sheffield United would be uh, taking West Brom's spot in that uh, bottom three, yes? <laughs> uh, look, yeah, I think Sheffield United, I don't think they're going to get relegated, but, oh. um, <laughs> but I think they're going to be, yeah, I mean, they're going to be one of the biggest differences in terms of points last season, points this season. I think they're going to plummet down the table um, somewhat. Yeah, sometimes the old second season syndrome. And once you find out a team like that, you know, they, their form post-COVID was pretty dire, I think, yeah. on from memory. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't think they're going to have a great season. Uh, to get relegated, um, unfortunately, I mean, as much as I hate to say it, I think West Brom will yeah. go down um, with, with Fulham. No Christmas and, card this year. Yeah, I'm not making many friends today because <laughs> my next guest is possibly going to be West Ham as well to yes. join them, given that they're starting the season. You know, Martin Noble is, is a hard man to anger, but the fact that he's come out publicly on, on Twitter and um, sort of castigated the board for selling... Um, Grady Dingane, I think his name is. Yeah, no, Sean and I spoke about that uh, before the show and I'm... we couldn't believe it. No, look, I think there's, there's been some unhappiness with the board for some time, um, right, going right back to the, the opening of the new stadium, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, there are some some fans at West Ham who've not grown beyond 1966, but, um, you know, the, we have but, to... But move... I, get, I get where they're coming from, though, because yeah. this was that was the promise, is that we're going to go to a new stadium that's this sort of soulless dome but we're going to have a really good team on the pitch and we're going to buy all these good players and yeah. promote all these young players from the academy. And then they, you know, they buy players that don't perform on huge wages. They sell their academy unhappy club and and I think that unhappiness is going to spill out onto the pitch unfortunately and I, I don't think you're wrong I think they're, they're very much in trouble unless they can rest that back somehow and your third club is Villa yes uh, no Fulham I think oh, Fulham, Fulham. Yeah. <laughs> Villa actually if you look post COVID Villa managed to sort out their um, their defence and they, they, they were quite sturdy defensively in the last part of the season they just couldn't score a goal for love nor money and so they signed Ollie Watkins from Brentford, who um, Dean Smith worked with a lot before, yes, and 
loads of big clubs were, were trying to sign Ollie Watkins, so he's gone to Villa. So him with Grealish, um, I think will be will be yeah quite a formidable um, pairing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I say formidable enough to keep them up. I think enough to, yeah, formidable enough to keep them up. All right, Derek. Look, we're running out of time because I've got a, uh, young John. I've got the phone very shortly for the NPL wrap. So um, thank you for your time. Very interesting viewpoint on uh, a number of those clubs, and thank you for your time. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. Derek Pollock with his view on the EPL, and we could, yeah, you could probably fill a whole show with we that, could. but you know. I know it, I could. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, look, it, there's lots going on out there. We and tried we, to get your club in there, but if we missed you, then. No, no, he it, said. It, it means that uh, you're going to be mid table. Uh, and look, mid table in this year would, would not be a bad thing, I think. We're looking at um, a very different year a very different kind of season and um yeah we're we're in all sorts of trouble i think <laughs> yeah and then you know there's you know, other clubs i mean southampton palace yeah. brighton i mean th- these clubs uh you know you, you don't like to be also ran so every fan of that club or of their club want their club newcastle to, newcastle know. again yeah. i mean there's another another club that with all their yeah. issues with their ownership, is still ongoing. So there's another club that, that, that could be up or down. Who knows? Yeah, absolutely. No, look, it's, it's a very different year, and we've seen some very strange results even in our own NPL. So yeah. this year is going to be very, very different, I think. All right, we're going to go to some messages, and we're back after these with John O'Reilly. Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station Sponsor. I'm Peter Skeeler. The world is a little different to us all right now. We may be learning to play football with our mates online, keeping in touch by FaceTime, and watching classic matches on Share TV. One thing that won't change is being able to listen to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. Your World Football team are here every Saturday from 10am to 12 noon. We appreciate your support, and stay safe, Australia. We're all in this together. All right, and we're back. Um, today, the NPL starts in the top six playoffs, and there was uh, plenty of action last week in the NPL um, where some strange, strange results. And I know people have been shaking their heads at some of them, um, but it's a, a real topsy-turvy year this year. And, um, you know, the results last week are just part of what was the um, the rich pageantry, of, which is the NPL. Yeah, so w- which one for you was the, the, the biggest shot, what? Joondalup over, over Balcatta? No, I'm just thinking Bayswater have been struggling all year and all of a sudden they beat Floriot. So, so yeah. the Gwallop 7-2? Yeah, no, there's been some really strange, strange results. Um, and one of the people who are responsible for some of those strange results <laughs> is joining us in, in John O'Reilly. John, good morning. How are you? Good morning, lads. How are you? Good morning, John. Just teasing you there. What, what was your favourite result from last week? Ah, oh, mate. My favourite results were from the round, the other round ten. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'd say that. <laughs> so, 
you know, I, I was asked this the other day about, you know, the last game and everything. And it's like, yeah, we the focus obviously comes down to the last game because, as it always does, the last result. But um, in terms of, you know, the 11 rounds, um, we'd put ourselves in a position in going into that last game where others had to do things to get us out of our spot. And uh, we'd already got the points. We'd already scored goals. So then it was up to other people to do their job. Yeah. And um, say lucky for us, but other people didn't do their job or didn't quite do enough to get them over the line. And, and we and, get the rewards and here we are. And But for a goal here or there, you know, you, you could have been in the bottom six, not the top six. Um, oh, and- very much so. But I think the thing that was most pleasing for us, uh, obviously, Armadale over the years, we've always, <clears throat> you know, well, I'll say over the years, before I came down, we were very much in around that bottom bottom two. Well, so we've always had the ambition to try and get out of that and break break the you know the stigma. Yeah. But what really pleased me the most was um, the fact that we did beat uh, Bayswater on on a goal difference, but we actually outscored them. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what that's what's really pleased me this year is that we've actually won something on on merit there. That's and really, and albeit really with albeit with an asterisk next to it, you know, you finished sixth, which is Armadale's best finish for a season, and now you're in basically the playoff for the top three. Um, and yeah. given, given that you are a, a scrapping side and a, a cup side, uh, are you approaching hmm. this like a cup run? Yeah, we'll see it more like a bit of a, a mini tournament, you know, a summer comp more than anything else. Yeah. Uh, five games, I think nine points, three wins will probably get you through in third place. Uh, give or take goal differences and other results around you, but um, yeah, I think there's definitely an opportunity there. Like in, uh, we've beaten teams um, like ECU, we've beaten Perth. You know, we've we've had some good runs. We beat Glory this year, so we've got it in us to to take a scalp. Um, yeah. Can we be consistent over five weeks? Well, we'll find out. Well, I suppose the thing is, and, and I, I know your approach to things is, you'd be consistent over this week, and then we'll be consistent again next week. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, for me at the moment, it's what what dice is going to be rolled because, yeah. like, we've had players coming and going purely because of injuries, yeah. ins and outs, you know. So each week, it, it's been hard to plan further than the next game. And, and talking of injuries, you, you still got quite a few injuries. Is, is um, Angel coming back, or is? He out for the um, season. He's touch and go today. Yeah. Uh, we're hoping that he might get a get a spin out. Um, yeah. So we'll see how that goes. But um, yeah, we've, we've, we're starting to get some people back now. The lads, the lads on the bench today will be their their first games back from um, from injuries. So we're starting to see a bit of our depth come back now. So maybe we'll suppose... be lucky. And we'll, we'll be back back during midweek and be back to full strength by next weekend. From, from that perspective, though, you you've got um, a team which you know has has had its depth tested, it's passed mm. the test, you've got through, so you now you've got a second string of players who know that they can compete at that level and, and still probably want to improve on their own performances, which is only a good thing for you. Correct. Look, I guess, I guess the nature of the player that is attracted or is brought to Armadale is people that are trying to prove their point, uh, trying to get an opportunity to go, be in the shop window, etc. And um, I think the, the result that kind of... Uh, example, exemplified that the most was the Perth game because our back four was a bit of a patchwork quilt yeah. where we had like a, a midfielder playing playing right back. We had a right back playing left back. We had a right back playing centre back. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got way too many right backs and not yeah. enough other cover. So. <laughs> but it was interesting. But we were really a patch up that week and um, we, we got the goods. Uh, and we did uh, well. Like We scored three goals. It wasn't just a 1-0 snatch and grab. It was a... Uh, 
we actually played football really well for 90 minutes. And it was on their patch as well. Yeah. On their patch as well, yeah. yeah. So that was the first win I've got over um, Perth in the last three years as well. So I was really happy yeah. with that result. I, I heard um, a blog with you in it over the weekend. You were talking about your favourite players and it seemed like the the entire team was, was almost a team full of twisted geniuses and, and flawed individuals with great talent. That's correct, yeah. is, is that is that something that you kind of look at? Because I know um, you, you've got some players in your side, you know, Charlie Kenner, who left you last year and went to ECU, and they failed to get the best out of him. You, you tend to get the best out of those sorts of players, don't you? It's, it's, it's man management. Like, look, I'm not going to stand here and pretend I'm sort of some messiah amongst these group of lads. We butt heads regularly, but it's finding out what does everybody want, what do they want to achieve. Um, you don't have to be mates. You don't have to no. always be nice to each other. At the end of the day, it's what do you want to achieve. And if everybody wants to achieve what I want to achieve, which is win games and do our best, then, yep. then we're on the same page regarding that. And that that's really how, you, how I try and get the best out of them, is just remind them each week, do you want to be the guy that, missed out last year or do you want to be the guy that everybody talks about this year? Absolutely. Uh, and on their day, people like Charlie and, and Brian Patson are more than capable of, of mixing it with the best in this state. Yeah, for sure, man. Like, a lot of these guys, like, um, you know, they've all come from some, like, really good backgrounds back home and stuff like that. And I think just the game is played differently over here. So where they we're back home, they'd, they'd probably be higher up, the la- uh, higher up into, into the pecking order. Sometimes over here they've, they've been a little bit overlooked um, purely because it's just a different style of football. So what I've enjoyed this year probably more than any other year with, with Armadale is I've got a group of players that are a lot closer to playing the type of football that they want to play, uh, a bit more rough and ready, a um, lot less nice players. Mm. So we've got more sort of like grunt in the team. And but they're hungry all, players really as well, aren't they? It. They're all hungry. Yeah, they yeah. Want, to, want to achieve. Yeah. That's now, right. That's exactly right. At the at the start of the season, if, if I had a conversation with you and said, you know, you, you, you're going to end up in the top six, and teams like Perth, Bayswater, Inglewood, um, Balcatta are all going to be below you, you you would have said I was mad. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, the, the, us finishing the top six was our goal. That definitely was on our agenda to yeah, be up. You there. said it very early. I think um, in the first couple of weeks of the season, when I spoke to you, you, you said that, that your aim was to be in the top six. Yeah, 100%. But, yeah, the, the, to see who's with us and who's not with us, that that's very surprising. Based on, you know, years gone by, there's, there's some big names down in that bottom six, you know, with Bayswater, Inglewood, Perth, Perth Glory. All, all four of those teams have been in the top four, winning the league in the last three years. So it's and, unusual to see the And people the point to, to COVID and say, oh, well, COVID's changed things, but... You, you know those sides and you know the players that they have, that the coaching teams are very much the same. The, the, the main body of the players hasn't changed that much. What, what do you think has been the, the major influence on those issues? Are, are people not performing as well because the, the money's not there or is it something intangible? I'd like to think that it's not because the money's not there because if that was the reason, that's pretty pretty sad yeah. uh, state of affairs because we've got hundreds of players across the, the state, thousands of players across the state that play without money every every game, every year. So, mm. you know, and when we're talking about playing without money, we're talking about we're talking about drinking money. We're talking yeah. about petrol money. We're not talking about buy a new house or a car money. No, you know exactly. what I mean? So, I agree. There's <laughs> a big difference between a local player not getting his wages and Meta Ozil not getting <laughs> his wages. You know, there's a big difference. Oh, massive. So, yeah, yeah. 
I'd like to think it's not that. Um, I guess the format, I think the main reason could, you could put down to is like the, the stop-start nature of the, the year where we did a pre-season, did a night series, then we played our first rounds and then it all got closed down. Then we, ca- then we were all trying to do a, a pre-season without knowing when the pre-season was going to finish. So there's probably a lot more long-distance work being but, done. But that's applied to everybody. And, and teams that early on were, were quoted as being in, in the top flight, people like Gwellup and Floriot um, are still doing that, and yet the others have, have not reached those heights. Is it... Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm just trying to work sure. out what it is about the this season that's made no, it very look, different. Let's let's let's, be, let's put it in this perspective. Like at the end of the day, everyone is in the same boat, but it's a shortened season. So over like eleven games, the teams that were down there at the bottom, like you know Perth and Basie, they were starting to find a bit of form. They were starting to get back into it. You know, at the end of the day, in a normal twenty-two game season, teams are trying to get in that top four for the final. So over twenty-two games then, you know, the better teams should really start lifting up in the second half of the year when we are properly tested with our depth and our yeah. suspensions, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, it is shortened. So I think it does kind of put a different spin on the whole situation. Um, but look, next year, I'd imagine it'll be very similar to going back to normal to the to the sort of like more expected um, results and, and things like that. This year, really, it's it's... It's a shorter season, so it kind of gave more emphasis to teams that want to try and break in the opportunity to put it all on all on the line and get yeah. there. You know, so but the results went kind of both ways. Like there's not there's not really been any teams that have been smashed every single week. No, no, you no. Bayes have had big results. They've had big losses. Perth have had good results. They've had big losses. It's been like that for most teams. It's really only Florida and Gwellup that have kind of uh, and, and Rock, Rockingham have won games. You know, Rocky have won games. Rockingham have won games. There's, you know, everybody's on on their days. It's still a very competitive league, and if you look at yeah. the results last week, you know, Basie, who are in the bottom six, beat Floriot. So, you know, on their day, anyone's capable of beating anyone else. And I suppose that for you is the the, the plan for the next five weeks, isn't it? That's right. That's right. And and look, look it's a shortened season. Now we're into, as you say, a so-called cup staff sort of format to finish or tournament format to finish. So, yeah, look, teams might have an off day and then find themselves out of contention very quickly, two off days, and you could be out of the equation. So, you know, those last two games of this five-game tournament could be very telling. You know, some teams might have already made it. Some teams might be already out of it. So, it'll be, it will be interesting over the next few few weeks for sure. Absolutely. And when you look at it, you know, you you've got to play... The, the top teams in, in Florida and Gwellup. Um, and if you, if you rumble one of them and they get turned over by somebody else, then all of a sudden they're, they're out of the equation. It's, uh, it sounds like a, a great thing. There was, uh, I remember seeing someone had written up a proposal that at the end of the, the, the uh, first round, you kept your points so that the teams at the mm. top end had some advantage for finishing top in, in the, the first 11 weeks. And I can see why that would be the case. Um, but this this even playing field really does open it up for someone like yourself who you know by your own admission has scraped in by the skin of your teeth, um, yep. and and you you turn out three good performances and all of a sudden you're you're in the the playoff of the championship. Well, you start like you did at the beginning of the season <laughs> yeah. right, with, with with four wins out of the first five. I mean, yeah. there you go, you, you top the table. Yeah, and and look, the format 
can be disputed and argued and, you know... It will be. Uh, debated <laughs> yeah. over and over and over again. But in a day, something had to be put on the table, and yeah. this is what was put on the table, and it was the same for everyone. So that opportunity was there for the Rockinghams, the Balcadas, the yeah. everybody else, etc. cetera. Uh, and look, <clears throat> it's, it's good that they're in that, in that uh, what's it called, in the t- top six, what, three teams that haven't won the league, or there's two teams that two, haven't won the league? Two teams, yourself, yourself and Gwellup, yeah. Yeah, and then you've got others that haven't won it for a, you know, a decade. Two, two so, thousand, 2012 was the last time it was won. I think that was Sorrento, and then you've got 2007 Floriot. So it goes back a while, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, look, it's, it's good for the game, you know, seeing the potentially new winners on the uh, on the trophy or someone that hasn't been there for a good few years. It's it's good for competition, you know. Oh. And then next year they've got to defend it. So. I totally agree. So you're yeah. off up to ECU this afternoon. Correct. Yep. Yep. Um, so. What do you see as being their strengths or or their weaknesses? Uh, I think their strength and weakness is is the fact that they love to play a particular way. Yeah. If they can get dominant in the method in which they play, then it becomes difficult to to get back into the game. But then. If you're able to nullify what they're doing, it's difficult for them to find a plan B, which, which you know, that's my opinion. Mm. Um, so, so that's really what it is. It's I said this in an interview during the week that the weekend will be very much, a, or today will be very much a chess game. In that we're going to be very, we're going to be very much uh, try and be as patient as possible, stay calm, and very much they will be as well, looking for uh, for us to make mistakes and then to try and exploit it. So, yeah. It's uh, it's going to be an interesting one. Yeah, it might think... not be a, a classic, <laughs> but it will definitely be an interesting one. Yeah, but the thing is, you know, you it, like a cup game. This one will be. It's 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 who wants it the most, and and all those other things about you know how good the coaches are, and and they're they're coached by a decent bloke. Um, you know, they um, all of that goes it's out the window. Football. Yeah, but the, yeah, all of that goes out the window, doesn't it? Yeah, and look, I think today was it will be it is two different styles of football, two different styles of teams. Uh, I think last time we played them, they had seventy percent possession, and we scored three goals. You know, so you can you can see, you know, one team's quite direct, one team's very much in their build-up play. So yeah, absolutely. It's it, it's interesting from a perspective where you know there's there's two different tactics being employed, and which one will uh, come out victorious. Yeah, as I pointed out to someone in a game my club had recently that absolutely dominated in, us in possession is we dominated you in goals scored and that's all that really matters that's at the right. end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That That's the stat that keeps you in a job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you say about keeping you in a job, you, you've been there four years now. Um, you know, four years, yeah. Um, one of the younger coaches that came in until people like um, Callum came in, but you're, you're doing all right. Um, hmm. Obviously... Armadale are happy with the way you approach the game and, and what you bring to the club? Yeah, look, I think I've, I think I've bought into bought into how they are, who they are. Yeah. Um, my expectations have to be realistic. I can't go there saying we want to win everything and where's the checkbook? I've got to go there going, right, well, this is where I'd like to be. This is what I'd like to try and achieve. And we've, we've, uh, we've both kind of like uh, changed where we've, we've agreed – to find a medium ground that keeps both of us happy, me as a coach and them as a club. Yep. Uh, and yeah, we work because we're later because um, we communicate. Yeah. We communicate, and we're happy. We're happy to be honest with each other. 
Uh, there's no there's no hidden agendas. So, so the relationship between coach and club is is healthy, is strong. And we and always, is it? Uh, <laughs> we do butt heads. No, but, but it's a good, <laughs> honest. We uh, we get on. It's a good, honest working man's club. You know, everyone there is a worker. Everybody there is there for the love of the game. There's. Um, there's very few egos around the place and, you know, everyone's just focused on, on getting the best out of that team. Um, and, you know, you do wonderful things down there, John. Yeah, no, look, all those things you've just said are absolutely true. Uh, really good bunch of people where I'm from back home. Um, it does feel like a little piece of it each time I go to training and match days. So it's, it's enjoyable, very enjoyable. And, but because they are down to earth sort of people, every time we get a win, every time we get a scalp, or a, or when we won a cup, you know, you really feel proud what you've achieved because they really appreciate it, and, and you feel like you've given something back for their loyalty. You know, Absolutely, the fans and the people that are, are doing all their hard hard yards for free. Yeah, while we're complaining of over our fifty dollars, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, we, we do appreciate them more than they probably know. So. Mm. Uh, absolutely, John. Look, um, all the best this afternoon. I know it will be, whether it be a, a, a arm wrestle or a, a game of flowing football, it will still be a very entertaining game for the for the, um, the, neutrals. the neutrals around the place. Yeah, and, and, and for the fans as well, I think. So uh, best of luck this yeah, afternoon definitely. and hopefully in Thanks very much. five or six weeks' time I can talk to you about being in the finals four for the very first time. It would be nice. It would be nice. Book <laughs> that in. All right, mate. Take care. Okay, cheers, John. See you later. Cheers, mate. Bye. John O'Reilly there talking about the um the top six in the MPL. Um there's some some good games out there today if you're looking to follow the MPL. Um we've got Coburn who are playing Gwellup and that's down at Coburn. Athena are playing Sorrento, um, and that's at Floriot. EC June Lup, as we just said, playing Armadale. Um, up in Junlup, Perth are playing Balcatta in the bottom six playoff. Inglewood versus The Glory and Rockingham versus Bayswater. So they're your, your games in the NPL today. Yep, so get on down and support your local club. Absolutely. Yeah, or, yeah just the, the local game because even if you're not a fan, just get there and, and watch it, particularly down Rockingham way. I think they needed... They sure do. And obviously there's, uh, there's games midweek as well. So if you can't make it today, then uh, have a look at the midweek fixtures and get yourself down there on a, on a nice Tuesday night. Yeah, well, Tuesday and Wednesday night because don't forget the reserves play as well in the 18. So, yeah. you know, you, you want to watch the whole club play out. All right. Um, we'll be going to a break very shortly and we'll be back with Steve Detar, who is the president De- of... Detry. Detry, sorry. That's all right. Detar, I don't know. He, he gets a bit funny about the name. Does he? Well, I mean... Yeah, he's Hungarian, so I'm not 100% sure I'm pronouncing it correctly either. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I call him Steve Detry. He's not Hungarian, he's an Aussie. <laughs> he is Aussie, that's correct. <laughs> All right, mate, that's the wonderful thing about this country. You may come from somewhere else, but now you're an Aussie. Yeah, you're an Aussie now. <laughs> All right, mate, we'll be back after these. They can say what they want now. West Coast Futsal Association has social competitions at Hollywood Futsal Club in West Perth and the Mount Lawley Futsal Club. Competitions are open for new players looking for a kick around with mates from Monday to Friday. For those looking at high level futsal, there is the Junior Leagues in Karanjup on weekends and the male and female Super League competitions based in Subiaco. For more information, contact Brittany on 0481 
Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. Now, Hugh, one of your or your major passion now is uh, Sabutio and, um, you know, you represented Australia in the game and we've got other people representing the, the game internationally and it's very pleasing to hear that we've got a, an Australian as the president of the International Sabutio Foundation or Federation in Steve Detry, who joins us this morning. Good morning, Steve. How are you? Good morning. I'm fantastic. Morning, Steve. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well, thanks, boss. Yourself? <laughs> uh, no one like no one likes to creep you. Ah, oh, come <laughs> on now. We've got to get some brownie points somewhere. Steve, it seems like the the, the game of Sabutio has been around forever. I remember playing it myself as a child. Um, and I think you know, in this day and age, with with all the electronic um, games that are available, um, it's really pleasing to hear that the the game's making a, a resurgence. And that hopefully, you know, things like COVID have certainly helped with that as people look for other ways to entertain themselves. Yes, very much so. Um, what we've we've found is that the game never really went away, and it's gone through sort of ups and downs and peaks. And what we're seeing now, despite COVID, which is sort of stopping a lot of the competition, is that people are diving back into their their attics and to the garage and finding all their old kit and dragging it out, probably annoying the grandkids or the kids. But they're sort of starting to just to relive some of those past memories. And what what we we are finding around the world is that um, some of those annoyed grandkids are actually, you know, if if the granddad doesn't push it too hard, he just leaves the table set up. Next thing you know, the kids are, uh, are playing themselves and, and trying to figure out how the games play. Absolutely. Now the the thing is, uh, I suppose. I played most formats of the game. Uh, whilst playing something like EA Sports or whatever is great and it's very realistic, nothing beats the, the tactile approach that you get with a you know, hands-on Sabutio kit and the, you know, the, the Igor um, in goal and all those sorts of things. It's just it's a very different game. It's just so much fun. He meant the Drago. It, it Drago, is. yeah. <laughs> it, it is, and one of the things that that we've I mean, I've been monitoring what goes on in the world of, of other games and sports and table games, is that in the last five or so years, there's been a dramatic upturn in the number of 
um, board games that people are buying and playing. And not just Subutio, not just Monopoly, but things like X-Wing, like Warhammer, like um, War Machine, all those sort of sort of table games. Because people want to have a little bit of social interaction, not just some anonymous character on a screen who is pretending to be a 16-year-old in... You know, in England, but it's in fact a fifty-five-year-old in Guatemala, and, um, and so what we're we're seeing is that there's an increase in this. Plus, people like our the president of our Japanese association, Kenzo Koi, he's using it as a way of um, treating patients who have hand injuries. So it's it's developing hand-eye coordination. It's developing. Um, uh, uh, fine motor skills, but it's also developing things like you know sportsmanship. You know, if you lose in a game of table football, you've lost. You can't just hit the reset button and redo it. You know, that's it. And I think that sometimes kids, when they're playing those computer games, they just sort of you know don't like how it's going, so they hit reset and they start again, and they they don't get a sense of. Um, completion or accomplishment with the table football, whether it's Subutio using Subutio equipment or the more modern equipment. You know, it, it's all about, um, as Hugh will attest, it's about um, some camaraderie. It's about a global community. It's about communities, you know, within your own area. Yep. And, um, and, and it can be a lot of fun as well. So where are the biggest growth areas um, internationally for, for the game? Is there areas that surprised you or you you um, expected like North America or Japan to be very big on this? Um, the, the, the two biggest uh, countries in terms of membership are Italy and Greece. And when you think about it, they've both got fantastic passion for football, so yep. it's not really a surprise. But... Um, in England, they've got a lot of people who've played the game, but the number of people who play who play or members of the federations are not that big. Um, that's you know Scotland and Wales and England, Northern Ireland, mm-hmm. and the Republic. Um, so there's a, been a bit of a drop off there, but now there's a few sort of more a few more organisers who are getting involved, driving things, and that's what we find is that. For example, we've got a lot of players who've contacted us over the years in Adelaide, probably 20 or 30, but we've never been able to get a decent organiser to, to get things happening. And that's mm. what it all revolves around. You know? Somebody saying, right, lads, we're all going to meet Tuesday night at the local bolo, come along and we'll have some matches. So, and that's, but that's not, that's not peculiar to table football. That's, no, that's, that's the same with it's, it's everywhere, yeah. Know, it's whether it's the Scouts or the you know, the Rotary or whatever, the Bridge Club. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, but there's a new global distributor of the game based out of Hong Kong. Yeah, and they're trying that, to. Steve. I mean, with um, you know, it's been quite as like a, it's a new generation of Subutio. So, could you expand on that one and, and explain to to the listeners exactly? Uh, how that's going to go, and whether the the Subutio brand will be uh, in the shops in Australia anytime soon. Well, two parts to that question. Yep. The, the, the rebrand is is really sort of them taking the the 
the, the, the concept of Subutio, which they which was passed on to them by Hasbro, who owned the rights to the game. And now what they're trying to do is uh, get the game back in shops because it hasn't been there for a number of years. So they're using some of their global distribution channels. I think it's a little bit of a, um, a misnomer to say it's a rebranding or rebirth because pretty much the set is the same as one that was out about four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. They've, they've improved the pitch, um, I have to say, but most of the other parts of it are pretty much the same. Um, but what they are looking to do in the future, without giving away too many of the, the trade secrets, <laughs> is to improve the quality of the equipment from the pitch to the figures to the bases to the goals and the ball. And they, they, they want to try and do that you know, sometime in 2021. Um, the, the the aim, I suppose, is to get you know good quality equipment because as as all of you will will attest, if you if you get the set and you set it up, and the pitch is no good and the bases are no good, and the ball rolls everywhere, then it's going to get consigned to the bin pretty quickly. But with a new pitch that they're they're looking at, um, which rolls out and is flat straight away. Um, with decent bases that will allow you to shoot and chip pretty easily, then that set will be um, much more marketable. Um, their challenge is to try and keep it in a, in a decent price range. Sure. Um, getting it into Australia, that's the, the next step. Their problem, of course, is what they call minimum order quantities, which is you know rules everything nowadays. Um, and they're just looking at how many you know, box sets could be sold in Australia. Um, my view is that if you just buy, the, if, you, if they just send the sets to you know game stores around Australia and put them on a shelf, they'll die a quick death. But they have a ready-made publicity machine within all the clubs in Australia who would be prepared to do demonstrations and, you know, um, uh, showcase the, the game in stores. And I think that that is where you suddenly attract people. We, we had a demonstration a few years ago at a football expo yep. and we, we got so many people coming around thinking, this is fantastic. And the first question they asked was, where do I buy it? And, of course, it wasn't available in Australia. But that was a... Um, a mistake on our part, I suppose, in some ways. But it shows to the global distributors that if they engage with local clubs, they could um, increase their sales. But when it's going to be available in Australia, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, it's all around the marketing and branding, isn't it? And then, you know, once you've you've got it out there and it's, it's happening, it, it's, a, it's a double-edged sword because if you don't have the people in the clubs... You, you won't be playing, and if you don't have people playing, you won't get people joining clubs. So, yeah, it's, absolutely. Yeah, but from the ground up approach, I think marketing is going to be the key. Yep, definitely. And so we'll we'll be leaving that with the the, the Hong Kong company for that marketing, or or as you've suggested that uh, it it should be a a, a local club based um, tactic. No, it, it would be whoever they. Whichever company they use to distribute the game in Australia, 
then the idea would be that the Australian club, clubs could work with that distributor um, and and assist in you know, doing sort of promotions, in-store promotions, things like that. They need to do their own work as well. I, mean, sure. I, I assume you guys are, are familiar with Warhammer. I think yep. Warhammer does a fantastic job with in-store promotions, but also with posters and with promotions. So they... Before anybody even walks in the store, they see images of the game and they're attracted to it. Whereas if you just see a green box on a shelf, you're not going to get attracted to it until you see it how it's set up and, and, and start flicking and having a bit of fun. So there's that. That's what I think is the is the disconnect with yeah. the current... Uh, current approach. Okay. Um, one one uh, question that's often asked of me and, and one that I find difficulty in answering, I, I'm just wondering if you can explain the differences between the two organising bodies, the, the differences between FISTA tournaments and WASPA tournaments. I know WASPA is not your, your area, but um, obviously th- there is a difference between those two um, tournaments and, and whether you'd be kind enough to explain those to us. Well, Yes, definitely. FISTF is the Federation of International Sports Table Football. It's not called Subudio because Subudio is a brand name. Yep, yep. So we, we can't use a brand name in all good faith because, well, it's a brand name. That's so right, you yes. set this, you know, it, it becomes you know, a, a breach of trademark and copyright and all that sort of stuff. So we're sports table football, but it's based on the history of Subudio. Absolutely. <laughs> The difference between that and the World Association of Subutio Players is that the FISTF events are conducted under tournament regulations. So we always have a referee. We always have the same pitch or the same type of pitch at an event. So everything's been standardised so that if you go from one pitch to the next, it's or one country to the other. You're not going to be just, you're not going to be just a, uh, a disadvantage. Yep. WASPA is more of a, a, you know, let's get a few lads together on a Tuesday night at our local club and have a flick. And we may have a Extreme Works pitch, we may have a Pegasus pitch, we may have a Cotton pitch. It doesn't really matter. The, what the important thing is is let's play. Yeah. And we in Australia have used WASPA as a sort of a growth medium to get people playing. And then when they say, what's next? Then you can say, okay, then come to a FISTF event and then you can play. And it's, you know, as you will attest, you know, World Cup and Asian Cup, Australian Grand Prix, yep. you know, the, the level of competition is, is a lot tougher. It's a lot more serious at those events. I, I know people may chuckle when you say that. but <laughs> Not me. Uh, <laughs> But it is it is a bit more serious. Whereas if we play our club events in Sydney uh, uh, for the Northern Falcons, we play at the local bolo, and it's fun. We we do our best, but you know I'm not going to you know go nuts if I don't you know don't win a match on a night. My main thing is just getting in a flick, getting everybody along. Yeah, and then we use those as a growth medium, bringing new players along and showing them the ropes. 
But it's very much like, um, you know, the real game in as much as the people who want to play in a social um, fashion just pick up games or even a more organised social event can play at that level. And then you've got your, your elite players who are deadly serious and, you know, there's there's room for everybody in the game, I suppose. Now, the thing is, uh, looking at the, 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 the way the game is, there's really no physical advantage between being male or female or even a youth against an older person. So is there um, separate competitions based on age or, or gender or do we everyone just mix in? There, there, there are. There are categories. So there's under 12, um, 15, 19, yeah. open and veterans and there's a women's category. But, for example, last weekend the German... Uh, Germans had their national championships and Victoria Bussing, um, female player, she came third in the, the open category. They didn't have a, um, you know, they didn't have separate categories for the youth. They all mucked in together. I think yeah. they had a veterans category. But, yes, there is no no advantage or disadvantage. We've got a young guy in the, the, um, the Sydney club who um, routinely beats me. Um, so it's it's not a it's not a, a physical sport. Is that Ollie? And, and uh, well, um, um, yeah, Ollie's Ollie's one of the the, the best probably um, young players in the world at present. But um, we're we're also looking at at you know rationalising maybe some of the categories because you know as Hugh will tell you, you know, you get to the World Cup and you've got six different categories in the individual, six different categories in the team. You've got, you know, matches happening everywhere and it's really hard to sort of try and focus and mm. more important, promote that. Here's the world champion. Here's one of 12 world champions. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, so we, we're looking at, at how we can do that without disadvantaging everybody because, you know, you want to give people a chance to to play in tournaments and yeah. uh, and not get hammered. I just, I just think it's... A... to that uh, thought process, uh, Steve, you know, are you thinking that at, at the junior categories it would be um, both genders rather than male and female under 12, male and female under 15? Well, it could be. I mean, there's no reason why kid, you, know, you can't enter. For example, if there's a young young girl, she, she can enter any of the tournaments. Um, and um, uh, the only thing is that the women's event is kept separate yes. for women. Now, there's a bit of discussion going on about that, whether they, they need to, whether they want to have that. I think for the time being, it's good because it helps develop, uh, you know, because, you know, as you know, a 15-year-old boy can be quite uh, competitive and aggressive, <laughs> whereas a 15-year-old girl, maybe not so. Um, so I'm keen to keep them as they are, but let's look at it. Let's not say it's, it's cast, you know, cast in bronze. Mm. Um, and... The biggest thing for me is getting people to play. We're, we're talking with um, former Matildas to encourage girls to to play the game, come along and have a go in an environment where they're not going to get you know smacked ten nil. Um, we're gonna, we're looking at how we can encourage some of those former players to come back and play the game, um, and that's both female and male and so yeah it, it, it becomes a um, what works best 
what will help mm. us boost our numbers. And I mean, it ties into the real game as well because when you're setting up your team formations and things like that, the, it, it's all so portable across it. So if you if you understand the game or you don't, it helps you understand it even more. Um, and all of those elements of the real game are still there. And I suppose the other thing is we, we haven't touched on it, but people with a disability, um, people with wheelchairs, again, can... Um, apply themselves and and um and play the game on an equal footing um and i think that's it's a very important thing you know and even people with severe disabilities like being a former referee can play so turn it up well it's 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 it, it, not uh, um not unusual that you well it's not strange that you mentioned that because there is a uh, a disability or or special sports as we call it unit within first yeah it was developed by some of the italian players who are in wheelchairs um there, there's there's difference differences in the heights of boards so they can get underneath yeah the, the, underneath the table um with their chairs um so we've got we've got the framework for it it's very small at present but it's something that we would definitely like to expand and um and as i mentioned before you know uh People who've, who uh, people who've got um, uh, hand disabilities. This is a great way. I've just gone through two operations for carpal tunnel, mm. and one of the one of the things I've been doing is some exercises sent to me by Kenzo from Japan, who does this for all of his. He's an occupational therapist, and he does this for all of his his patients, and they've been fantastic for just getting me. You know, motivated to do all the exercises. Oh, look, and I think when, when you look at it with the um, older generations and, and you know, people who are on the wrong side of 50, um, to help ward off things like arthritis, the, keeping your hands moving and nimble is part of that process. And I think, again, that's yeah. another area where um, you talked about veteran players, but there's there's a good reason why you should be playing because it does help with that hand dexterity. And, uh, you know, anything that wards off those ailments is a good thing. Yeah, and, and also it because it's a it's a, a very much a mental sport that you've got to be thinking all the time. You're thinking what I want to do, what the other guy's trying to do against me in terms of blocking me. So it, it keeps your mind sharp. Um, and and as as you know, Hugh will attest. You know, you play a, um, uh, a tournament two days oh. of top competition. By the end of it. You're absolutely mentally shattered as much as your back being sore or your legs being sore, but mentally you can be, you know, quite drained from it. So, yeah. um, um, so it, it's something that we, we, we should be doing more of with, um, uh, approaching, you know, I always say to people, you know, if you can't play football anymore, give table football a go. Mm. You know? Um, and, and you go back to Warhammer and that. I think part of the attraction of Warhammer is that you can um, decorate your own pieces, paint them, and all that sort of thing. And there's there's no reason why you you couldn't paint your um, your purchased Subutio kit up as a you know West Brom or South End United or um, your your local your local pub team. You know, there's it's so um, so portable. Yeah, yeah I mean, they're very much so. There's this, that fantasy element. In yeah. It as well. Um, very much a fantasy element, and um, people play uh, like when we first started playing. When I started playing as a 
as a kid, but even in, in my late teens and early 20s when we had tournaments, you know, I was playing as Bayern Munich and, you know, you paint all the team up and one guy looks like, you know, Beckenbauer and one guy looks like Muller and all that sort of stuff. That fantasy part, we like, we want to try and emphasise that as well to the young kids. Yeah. So that they can be Perth Glory or they can be Sydney FC and they paint up the team and they keep track of results and stuff like that. I see that as a real big connection between football and table football. Um, And we would like to try and encourage that. We've got a few things we were hoping to try and do this year, but we got Ronan. Yeah, we got Ronan. Yeah, who didn't? And as you say, I mean, we've got a guy in, uh, in Queensland, Giuseppe, who is the Michelangelo of table football. The paint jobs that he does on figures are just unbelievable. It's almost yeah. like you want to put them in a frame. You don't want to play with them. Well, that was the problem. But, I had uh, the, the shirt I'm wearing now, the 92 West Brom uh, third kit, the uh, the yellow and, and red shirt, which uh, is the barcode shirt, and Giuseppe made me up one of those, uh, and it's just sensational. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's great, and, and, and that's very much you know, part of it as well. We, 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 don't, we don't try and disconnect with football but what we do say is that table football at the sort of the, the higher level is a different sport so mm. the, some of the rules are the same you know we're scoring goals we have an offside we have flickings we have goal flicks all that sort of stuff but some of the tactics are completely different you know and so we, we but we know where we've come from we know that where the video came from um, and we know that it's based on, on, on football. But the, the, I play, quite often I play with a team which is completely unpainted, so it's just a base yeah. and it's a purple figure. Are you still playing uh, that one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so we're, we're currently in September, Steve. We're, we're coming up very much to a, a, the Christmas period where people are starting to look at gifts. So we know when the, the launch of this new um, Sabutio will be because uh, I mean, ideally, get it out in the shops before Christmas, and it starts turning up in in stockings, and kids are asking Santa to get it for them. That's that's really the impetus. And once we've got people playing at home, they'll play it in clubs. Well, that's it. And, and I've been talking with the people in, in Hong Kong. Uh, they're they're trying to get a distributor in Australia. They've had distributors in the past. Yeah. Um, and a couple of them sort of kind of got a bit burnt because they, it was a sort of a chicken and egg thing, you know. Yeah. They thought they'd bring in a whole set of, a whole bunch of sets and then they'd sell. But they didn't do anything to promote it. There was no posters in stores or yeah. there was no flyers or stuff like that. So, you know, they, I think that they're, they're keen to sort of do it again as long as there's some support from Longshore in that regard. And, and I've said to Longshore that I'm sure a lot of the, the clubs in Australia would gladly go along and, and do a demo. Yeah, well, the the FFA have just um, put in a new marketing manager um, in Peter Philopoulos, so maybe he's someone you could talk to about promoting it through the FA as well because, you know, as much as it's not the um, the game on the, on the grass, it is the, the game... Um, in one way or another, and any any way we support the game is a good thing, and and drives the interest in in the on field game. Absolutely, and, and that's that's something that needs to be considered by by ASFA 
Um, I mean, I, I'm I'm involved with the International Federation and I'm yeah. involved with Australian Club, so I'm not going to speak for what the Australian Federation should or shouldn't do. But it's it's obviously there are things that that can be done simply, and um, and you're right, it, it should be should be in the stores before Christmas because um, uh, one of the key things we're talking with Longshore about is getting um, a flyer inside the box that lists, you know, national associations. Yeah. I remember, but back in the, the 70s and 80s, when you'd open up, there'd be a, a catalogue and it'd have at the back a whole list of all the national associations. And, and how you can engage with, with your local teams. All right, and, Steve, and, we're, we're running out of time rapidly, so I'll, I'll need uh, to wrap this up. Um, look, I think it's fantastic. Anything that drives an interest in the game is good. I'm glad to hear that we're, we're looking to get it out before Christmas because that is critically important. And I'd love to see that um, every family that's involved in football has has one in their Christmas stocking. Okay. Thanks very much for having me. Thank, Thank you very you, much Steve. for your time, Steve. Cheers. Steve Detry, who is the president of the... And full of knowledge. I mean, yeah. uh, as I said to... To you, Sean, when you, were, you asked me about him, I often refer to him as the godfather of Subudio <laughs> in Australia. He, he likes to refer to himself as a Subudio tragic. Um, each one is equally equally appropriate. But yeah. uh, to have an international football president, I mean, you know, it, it's like having Infantino on the, yeah. on the airway It certainly is. Us. No, it's a, it's a big coup. And, um, you know, the, the game is going from strength to strength and we do the right marketing campaign. Be good, it ties into everything. Well, that's right. And so, uh, you know, we've uh, at Subidio Perth have uh, got another a branch off club, which is going to be exactly that. It's going to be uh, promotion and it's more along the lines of the uh, the WASPA model that Steve was talking about. Um, yep. It's uh, a smaller pitch. It's going to be a, a seven-a-side uh, table. So it'll uh, allow the portability and just to be able to, to take it from, from club to club and and show people exactly what it's all about. It's, it's going to be Absolutely. sensational. All right, today out there we've got the first division games going oh, on. That was my job. Well, no, no, that's all right. We're, we we're there. We've... So we've got uh, Quinns versus Subiaco. Uh, we have Ashfield versus Sterling Lions. All these games are kicking off at 3 o'clock. Uh, Joondalup United versus Fremantle City. That should be an absolute cracker. Yeah. Uh, the Knights against Mandurah City. Forestville will host uh, Olympic Kingsway. Another cracking game. Oh, yeah. And then Swan United against UWA Nedlands. So, as I say, all those games are kicking off at 3 o'clock. They're part of the uh, the top six and uh, bottom top six, six playoffs. Yeah. So, again, get on down to your local uh, sports ground and cheer on your, your side or the opposition if you need <laughs> to do that. And in Division 2, we've got Dianella yep. White Eagles playing Gosnell City. Yep. Um, Karamar Shamrock Rovers playing Mum. Uh, Joondalup City at uh, home to Wanneroo. Uh, Mighty Canning City with a huge overseas following. Yep. Um, are playing Kingsley Westside. Balga at home to Kelmscott Roos. And Curtin Uni are playing Morley Windmills. So there's something out there for everybody around this wonderful state. And it's just around the corner. Absolutely. And just get out there and, and back your local team or just the game. Um, or on a, a nice day like this, just go on down there and uh, get yourself a beverage and uh, stand on the sideline and enjoy the <laughs> The lovely weather today. Absolutely. I think that's where we've all got to be, really. Um, all right. 
we're going to go to a break and we'll be back after that with um, Dino Jilbich, which I think will be a, a great little interview because he's, he's such a terrific guy and, and been a great servant to the, to the game and, and to the glory in particular. Yep. So we'll be back after these. Can't wait. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Oswest Fencing and Royal Tryon. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Oswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour bond, aluminium, steel and timber gates. Check out our galleries at oswestfencing.com.au. That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au. Please don't fence me in. The World Football Programme is a community programme run by volunteers. Just like our host station, Radio Fremantle, applies for government grants and sponsorships from year to year to keep us on air. Your support by way of station membership or donation is greatly valued. Contact Radio Fremantle weekdays 94942100 for information on how to become a member or to donate to the station. Thanks for your support. Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Okay, and we're back in the room again. Um, just wonderful about the, sub, the Subutio and how we get in there. I wonder if we could ever get a um, glory kit with a, a Dino Jilbich in there. We'd have to use the goalkeeper body, though. You would have to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's a, a guy in, in Melbourne who's actually placed with the uh, uh, Perth glory kit, which is really odd because he's, uh, he's based over there. He's, he's not. It's, from... straight, it's strange for someone from Victoria to have a brain, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> Okay, um, joining us this morning is the, the man himself, Dino Jilbich. Good morning, Dino. How are you? Good morning, guys. How are you going? Good. How are you settling in? Um, I, I take it you're, you've retired from A-League football. Are you still looking at a contract? Uh, I haven't retired yet. So I've, uh, I'm still recovering from my surgery that I had three months ago. So I haven't renewed the contract with the glory or anyone else at the moment. So my solely focus at the moment is uh, getting back uh, to my uh, normal self and recover after my first surgery ever in my career. Yeah, because you, you took a, a brave stance the last time, you, your knee injury, um, without having surgery. And you, and you came back and, and to be fair, um, played well coming back from that was... Is that the, the surgery you've had now to correct that? No, it's actually, no. you know, obviously recovering so well after the ACL without having the surgery and then uh, that went all well and I don't have any issues with that. It's a, it's, a, it's a training incident that happened early December with another player and uh, it was my ankle. So it, it damaged all my uh, my cartilage and, uh, and yes, yeah, so I was trying to recover Without surgery, again, we were trying different things to get me back into playing uh, to finish off the season and everything, but it just uh, wasn't getting any better. So we, we ha- I had to go under the knife. Okay. And, and then I suppose that when, when COVID kicked in, you're obviously injured. Um, what happened then? Yeah, well, with, with COVID, obviously with COVID, we had a, well, I was supposed to go in for surgery earlier than COVID came in and then we had to hold off and then... When, uh, when when the elective surgery got open again, I went up for surgery, and uh, so now we've been doing rehab for the last uh, 
three months. Obviously, I had to be in the moon boots for eight weeks and uh, without doing any any work to the ankle and anything else. Uh, and it's just trying to get my range back and uh, try and get to uh, to the level where my ankle was before before the injury. So that's that's the challenging part at the moment. Mm. No, it's a, it's a tricky one for you. So, um, still very much focused on on having another tilt at the A League. Yeah, definitely. Look, uh, I, I love playing. Uh, that you know, I've been it shows. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like every every minute that I'm out there, being a training or a game. You know, I enjoy every minute. And I always play like it's my last minute. You know, so it's. Uh, and that's the fire is still there and everything is there. So I'm hoping to have a speedy recovery. Uh, and obviously with the, with the, the season being pushed back, you know, it's, uh, it's a big help for my recovery. So it gives me, gives me hopefully enough time to be ready before the next season starts. Absolutely. And, you know, we looked through your career, I and mean, it's surprising things that, uh, when you go through. You know, 150 games for, for Perth between 2001 2005. You would have been, what, 18 when you started. Um, and 150, 150 games for Perth is, is no mean feat in itself. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's, uh, I play a lot of football, which is, uh, which is, which is good, you know. I really, really, like I said, that all my, through my whole career in different stages, you know, I, I really enjoyed the, the different parts of my career and how it's been progressing. And you know, I had a lot of success playing at uh, locally at Perth, obviously with winning a lot of trophies and everything. And then getting into the next thing with uh, when going over east to Melbourne and uh, trying to break into the A League, and then eventually. Having broken into the A League and uh, playing with with Perth Glory, which was always a childhood dream and everything, and then obviously making a move to overseas as well, and you know, and having and coming back, always coming back to Perth Glory, you know, the the first yeah. love really. But you're not going to die wondering, are you? You gave you gave Europe a go. You you um, very early into the the Chinese leagues, and you know, I was surprised to see um, you played fifty odd games for for. Gizu and they were the the champions of China at that time, um, and and eight goals. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Look, uh, I, uh, that's one thing I got taught from uh, my dad. God bless him, you know, who yep. uh, was a professional player himself back in the day, and uh, he always uh, said, you know, you don't want to come off the park training, whether it be training, game and wondering could I have done something more to better myself or to help my teammates and you know I was always a team player and would do anything for my teammates you know so that's a, that's a big one and uh, I have no no regrets whatsoever you know I've been very unlucky when I went to Europe to Germany and mm. uh, got my first injury you know like going from Perth uh, in, in January leaving gear 42 degrees arriving into Germany where it was minus 20 degrees and my body just shut down straight away I was I went off the off the plane I played the first game friendly game against Borussia Dortmund and after that game I literally just uh, pulled pulled it uh, pulled my quad 16 centimeters you know and wow. yeah so that set me back six weeks you know before before my first game it was literally before the first game I was supposed to Make my debut for my new club, and I had the—I actually had the Bosnian national team coming to watch me that game, 
and uh, I just got injured just before before that. You know, I did the fitness test in the morning before the game, yeah. and we just, it just, I was out for six weeks, and then I played my first game against uh, Nuremberg, and I got a kick in my Achilles, and I was out for six months after that. Ugh, so horrendous. I really had a tough time over there, but it made me a better player and a stronger player, you know? Yeah, I think one of the things for me and, and what makes you a fan favourite is that when, when you do go out there for the glory, you, you never go through the motions. You always play for the shirt and it seems to be no doubt that you, you love playing for the glory. Yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, look, players come and go, you know, and the club is always going to be there and, you know, you've got to be proud of what you do and uh, the shirt that you wear, you know, and me being obviously a Perth boy as well, obviously not born here, but this is my city now, so it's uh, it's, it's a big thing to play for home club and to to play in front of your friends and family and uh, having uh, those people that are there that pay actually good money to come and watch something and you know to give something back to them and not to think oh well is it a bad day is it a good day you know from my from my perspective I always say well look I'll do my best and I'll try and I'll try to drive the players that are in my team to to give the best and give a spectacle to the fans, you know. So and uh, I thought I always uh, tried my best. Do you know Hugh Best here? Uh, I would have refereed you a few times down at Perth if you uh, if you remember. But uh, what I wanted yeah. to ask you was about your um, your uh, career overseas. So um, h- how was it when you were playing in uh, in Abu Dhabi? And and can you reflect that with the uh, the stint you had uh, in the Malaysian Super League with uh, Felder United? Yeah, I mean uh, China. China. I'll start with China. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I went, uh, well, after my stint in Europe, you know, that didn't obviously pan out as I would like it to be. And I came back to the A-League. And from then on, I decided uh, to to make the Asian move, which I had a previous offer before I went to Germany. I had an offer to go to Chinese Super League. And they were throwing some big money at me. But I, I didn't want to go down that path because I wanted to experience the, the European dream. Yep. You know, like I said, you don't, you know, when I'm a guy uh, wondering, you know, so that's, I did that. And then I made a choice that my next move will be going back to Asia. And China was really good. Uh, going to Abu Dhabi uh, had uh, had a couple factors there I had to take into consideration. It was the family yep. because we, we, we wanted to grow our family. And uh, my son was actually born in Abu Dhabi. Oh, is that right? So yeah, so it's, uh, you know we're, we're, if we if we stayed in China, you know it was uh, we had to reconsider. Would we have started the family there, and you know my wife would have probably come back to Australia and have the kid here and probably stay a little bit. So we didn't want to be apart, and no. we thought, well, this is probably one destination that you know that. Uh, we could do that and have the, the start the family there. So that that was a that was a really big factor for me. That's why I left China because I did have another three year deal offered on the table to stay in China, but I opted to go uh, uh, to a different destination. You know, so yeah. which uh, I, I, I'm not going to say I regretted it a little bit. It's uh, I'll say I was a little bit misinformed uh, in things because I thought that. The UAE League was better than the Chinese, but then when I arrived there, I actually 
realised it wasn't what I thought it's going to be. So, but look, what was I, lacking I had it, a great was it, time. Was it facilities or was it the, the standard of the no, play? No, look, the facilities the top of the range. It was just the, the league quality. Right. You know, because I always said I, I want to try to be at a good level where I, where I can challenge myself. And don't get me wrong, it, it, it's a challenging because you have players that don't have the quality, so you, you have to manage them or or work with them and try to get the best out of them, especially in defence, you know, because I was the only foreigner in defence, so I got three other guys around me and obviously two another two in front of me, midfield, defence, midfield, you know, so it, it, it had a challenging time, but, you know, it's, uh, it's not what I thought it's going to be uh, off a standard-wise. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to knock the league back or right. say it's not good. It's, it's a good league, but it's... Uh, it was it was a smaller step down from the Chinese Super League right. uh, from that department. And so was uh, Malaysia uh, uh, again another sort of sideways step, or, or was that backwards? Yeah, as well? look, Malaysia, Malaysia was something something different. I, I really wanted to, I really wanted to go back overseas. Yep. You know, uh, I, uh, with uh, even even it wasn't didn't want to leave. Perth, but I think we at, at that time I, I didn't feel like we were going anywhere with with Perth as well. So it was again for my own things uh, another challenge that I wanted to uh, to try and experience. And uh, you know because I I, I, uh, I came back from UAE for family reasons mm-hmm. because my dad was uh, ill, yep. and that's the only reason I came back uh, from Abu Dhabi. You know, because I, I would have stayed there longer. So, and after my well, uh, after I stayed here, and then I, I wanted to go back overseas again for at least one more time, and uh, and that's 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 the whole thing behind it. That's why we went to Malaysia, you know, and had a had a great time over there. Again, it wasn't uh, wasn't as professional as I thought it would be. But, uh, you know, it was a good experience and uh, we really enjoyed it. And then obviously coming back home again. So if you, if you had to give a, a, a tip to a, a youngster starting out looking at, you know, making it as a professional, what what's the keys to making it as a professional? Uh, look, my I think I never had the biggest talent. So I always worked hard. I knew I had to work harder than anyone else. So and and I was happy. I was prepared to do that. So from a mental perspective, was uh, you know it's it, you have to be mentally strong to go through things that you go in football. The highs and the lows, definitely it's it's the mental strength, you know, and obviously your your will to work hard and work for the team, and uh, you know not just not put yourself as the number one, but it is a team sport. So it's it's more of. Uh, those small factors uh, and sacrificing, obviously sacrificing a lot of things that, that, that that's, a, that's a big thing as well during their life. You know, I, I used to, I used to go and before training, I used to go train myself or in the mornings when I was going, before I was going to school or anything, I used to go for runs myself, you know, and I wouldn't tell anyone. I would just do it because I wanted to become a professional soccer player or footballer. You know, so that's that's those things that you that you do that other people don't see because yeah. it's a footballer. People only see the glamour. You know, ah, oh, well, 
you train twice, uh, for two hours and then you go <laughs> sip, sip coffees or whatever you do. And, yeah. You know, you can do whatever you want and you get good money and this. But, you know, everyone sees that. No one sees what, what goes into in the background. Or, or the, the six to nine months recuperating yeah. from an injury. Yeah. Um, just going through it all, I'm just trying to think of um, – with the, with the glory and, and, you know, when you're playing and you, you say you, you've not got the most skill in the world and, and you're probably not the quickest player out there. What, what goes through your head when, when you, you've got someone like Costa Barbarisas running at you at full pace and you know you're, you're the only person that can, can do anything about this right now, you know? Um, you, you've obviously got a lot of knowledge in the game and, and your brain, um, allows you to make up for some of the deficits, but some of these players are so quick. Yeah, I mean, look, definitely. I mean, it's always a, it's always a challenge, you know. I always say, look, I'd rather play a six foot seven guy, you know, who's bigger head than me than playing the smaller guys, you know, yeah. because you're, you know, you can see that the big guys you can see in front of you, the smaller guys, obviously, you're 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 trying to look for them. Where are they, you know? So it 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 it, it does get uh, get challenging. But I, what I what I've experienced from uh, it, it's trying to obviously use your experience, your knowledge. Also, knowing the player, doing some homework on the player. So, again, this is the, in the background. You yeah. know that Costa likes to do this or the other player, you know, likes to turn this way or that way. So, you do actually sometimes anticipate what he's going to do because you know what he's going to do because he prefers to do it that way. So, yeah. it's all those things knowing each player, you know. I mean, if you, if you don't watch the games, you don't do your homework, so who are you going to play? You're, you're, you're going to struggle, you know. So... It's uh, it's it, it's doing those little bits and pieces, you know, and yeah. knowing what he's gonna do. So this is this is the that's the big things, you know. So and obviously, you know, like if you play, let's just say with uh, always uh, like uh, use Bruno from Rome as yeah. an example. You know, when he first came, you go too close, he'll just grab you, turn you. You go too far, he'll turn around and run at you. And like, hey, what am I gonna do here now? You know, like yeah. uh, it's uh, it's knowing when to do it, and obviously. You know, going a little bit harder into when they when they get the ball, maybe yeah. a, a, a nicer tackle from behind. You know, to put a bit of a fear into them as well. So and that's the thing is, uh, as a defender, you know what they like. I remember a player, Jimmy Proven, who could couldn't resist the nutmeg. So you, you you'd offer it, he'd take it, and then you close the gate as he was going past you. <laughs> so you know, right? Yeah. <laughs> look, uh, <laughs> look for me. I think I've been known that I'm going in hard, and and, and players would think about twice what they're going to do when I'm yeah. behind them, you know, so and, and having having that reputation established, that, that also helps because I had players go to my uh, uh, my defensive partner and go, oh my God, I'm coming to your side because I don't want to be on Dino's side, yeah. you know so because he, he doesn't want to, doesn't like the treatment that he's uh, getting you know? No, exactly So, it, it, so ha- having that Built up reputation over the years, you know. So, it's, uh, and they'll think about it twice if they're gonna, like you said, try to not make you or, or do something. And, like and looking that, through you know. your playing playing history, two games for Australia, which is you know playing for Australia is fantastic. Um, two games. Do you do you feel you could have got a few more out of that? You know, you're in a nine nil win over Guam, um, and look at some of the players that are in that team now playing in in the Premier League. You know, so. Yeah, look, it's always it's uh, it's always a sore point for me that I only achieve two games, and you, and and usually I don't tell people that I 
played for Australia because I only played two games. And like oh. uh, everyone tells me, well, you should be proud that you absolutely, yeah, sure. yeah. You know, it, it's just uh, I don't know. It, it, it's something in, in Your my dad was head, always probably, proud to tell me know? that you played for Australia. That's for sure. <laughs> I know. I think he was more proud than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, at, at the time, they they did have a a, a good side. Now, there's some some very good defenders in that squad, and you know, you two games is two games more than most people, and most people would give their right arm yeah. to to even wear one shirt once. So you know, it's it's a testament you you got there for someone as you as you said yourself. Not the the most skillful player out there, not the quickest player out there. Yet you still managed to put the green and gold on and play in the side that won nine nil. Um, yeah, I think it's something you should be proud of, mate. Pretty good debut. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. No, definitely. Look, it's a, it, it, it was it was a very proud moment for family. Yeah. I mean, look, it, even I was look if if the injury probably in Germany didn't happen, I would have probably worn the Bosnian national team. You know. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it things how they happen in life and through their careers and and I always say one door closes another one opens you know mm. so it's all those things and probably when I when I when I play when I started playing for Australia I I just made the move obviously to UAE that's where it was and yeah. uh, Holger Holger came uh, I was a Holger Ostic gave me debut anyway he came and watched the watched the games you know and. And he wasn't too too excited about the league himself, you know. So yeah. I had another challenge there where, where even speaking to him before, it was more, uh, I really would like to be playing in Japan or somewhere else, you know. So, yeah. But, you know, those things happen, you know. So And then also I came back earlier in January back to Australia for obviously, like I said, for family reasons. Yeah. So I terminated my contract in UAE to be here with family before I signed the glory mm. the following season. So it, it's those things that I've, that I've uh, did in my life as well, so which I which I don't regret at all, which no. probably had a smaller, uh, smaller uh, I won't say consequences or it could have, could have gone differently. You never know, but... Look, but, but looking forward, Dino, you, 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 you're, you're 30 plus um, and obviously the... There's going to be a time where you can't compete at the highest level. Do you, do you see yourself playing state league or um, veterans or just for fun? I mean, you've you've got a very successful business that um, takes up a lot of your time now, and and your life is is kind of changing. Or do you see yourself as a as a coach? Yeah, look, uh, see, like I said, uh, I would love to try uh, continue to play. Obviously, we've got the love still for in the A League and. Uh, Look, I, I, I can't tell you I will be or I won't be because that's not up to me. You know, I'll try my best to to do it. If not, I would love to play locally. You know, I played for Persong Club. Uh, that's my only club locally that I played for. You know, so I would love to if I could uh, go back and play there. You know, and give something back to the local community. Maybe teach some younger players or give them some advice that that's out there or what what to expect, you know. Coaching thing is not a not a not a thing for me. You know, I'm, a, mm-hmm. I'm too angry. <laughs> no, that's good. Nice <laughs> to have noticed it. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, that's definitely not something uh, not at this stage anyway, and especially with my 
with my building company, Trey Homes. It's a very busy time at the moment yeah. for us. So it's, uh, you know, and I, and I do enjoy it. You know, so I, I, lo- I love what I do. And, you know, been doing that for the last four years with football and with, uh, with my building company, building it all up and everything. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it, it's really, really good. And uh, I love what I do, you know. So, Absolutely. So it's fantastic. All right, Dino, thank you very much for your time. The the show's closing or time's closing on me very quickly. So I thank you for your time and, and for your time as a player. I've always enjoyed watching you play and you, you're just a genuinely nice guy. Even people like Bruno, who you've kicked the living daylights out of, have, don't have anything nasty to say about you. So you, you're a terrific bloke. So thank you for being on the show today, mate. Thank you. Thank All you. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Lovely talking to you guys. Cheers, mate. Good See on, ya. Mate. Thank you, bye. Dino Djilbic. Um, what a guy. Yeah, what a guy. Now, uh, Hugh, yes. the Sabutio, if anyone wants to get involved, wants to play, wants to know how to do it, or just wants to give it a go. Yep, they um, can always give me a, a, a call. It's uh, 0439-936-112, or you can come down to the Sabutio Perth Clubhouse, which is at 22 Titchbourne Street, Coburn Central. It is the, uh, the elite cricket uh, arena, but if you go – to the first door you come to, that's us. You'll see the sign out the front. You'll probably hear me yelling at somebody. Absolutely. And, and <laughs> so look that's, out. Uh, that's going to be Sunday the 20th. We kick off around about 9 o'clock. So 22 Titchbourne Street, Coburn Central, or just give me the call, 0439 936 112. And or you can find us on uh, the website at the uh, Subidio Australia. That's the Australian Table Football Association website. Marvellous. Thanks for the plug. <laughs> no, no, that's <laughs> what it's there for. Um, yeah, we're um, obviously looking forward to the the launch of Sabutio at Christmas yeah. or be, or just prior to Christmas. So keep an eye out for that. Um, today, if you can get out, watch a game. If not, tomorrow get out and play in a game. Um, apologies to the girls, I didn't get the. No, sorry about that. It was, on the, the, it was on the running sheet. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> it's all right. We'll get there eventually. Um, the Jazz Float Show with Lenny is starting very shortly. Um, so. They'll be in in just a moment. Penny will be on next week, and She'll I'll be have back. The women's show there, that's for <laughs> sure. I'll be back in a She'll fortnight. Up. Thank you for listening. This has been Sean Kelly. This is the World Football Program. Um, good luck to everybody playing the game out there. Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle one hundred seven point nine FM.